she is invited as a guest to the royal ball. And she shows up dressed to the nines as a man in like a scarlet tunic. And she starts dancing with all the women. And then she French kisses this woman in the middle of the dance floor in front of the entire royal family. (laughs) And these three noblemen are like, you got to start acting like a lady and you got to stop making out with chicks. (laughs) And Julie's like, should we take it outside? And so they go outside and she defeats all three men in consecutive duels. Uh. And then, while they're still like bleeding in the street, she comes back to the party. Well, hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I am Sarah Gorski. I'm Chloe Sky, And I'm Jupiter F. Stone. I'm still here. I'm not leaving. I'm just not leaving. <laughs> We're so lucky to have Jupiter. I mean... I, I feel like I forget to say that every episode, but I'm really glad Jupiter's Thank here. Thank you. I'm Me happy too. to be here. I'm Jupiter, happy I'm a fan. to be here. All right, cool. <laughs> Chloe, I feel like you're biased, but... That's fair. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> Sarah, you're biased too. Stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, guys, I am so excited. My broad today, I'm going to say her... Okay, so this is... Okay, full disclosure, I do not speak French, <laughs> but I feel like I do like a good, like make fun of impression of French people. So that's kind of the version of French accent you're going to... Pronunciation, I mean, you're going to hear today. So she she is French, and her name is Julie Daubigny La Maupin. Wow. Not bad, so right? So good. I'm, I'm eyes closed. I believe it. I believe it all the way home. Ah! <laughs> um, so I have found... Okay, so... I'm just going to call her La Maupin, because that's what I think she's called in a bunch of the history books. Um, I first her saw her like fly across one of my news feeds or something like years ago and I was like wow that broad is crazy and then since we started this podcast and like every time I'm talking to a friend and I start talking about the podcast which happens all the time thanks for my to my friends for being really patient with me um I feel like I've had like five people say oh by the way you should do this broad and I was like I know she's on my list (laughs) (laughs) But I was trying to focus on black broads and other broads, you know. So here, I'm finally circling back. So we're going to do La Maupin today. And I can't even express to you enough that your seatbelts that you're buckling right now are not strong. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited. Bring it on. Julie is born. I'll just call her Julie, I guess. Yeah, that sounds better than La Maupin. It sounds so too fancy. Is it- <laughs> Julie is born. So um, I'll, I should preempt the whole episode by saying the specific details about like dates and the order of things are kind of conflicting across all of the articles I found. So I'll try to just identify those moments when that happens. But there's not a specific, like they're not exactly sure when she was born, but they think it was around 1673. And she's the daughter of a man named Gaston Daubigny. He was like a horse master and a, and a great fencer. And he was the secretary to Louis de Lorenguis, Comte d'Armagnac, who was the master of horse for King Louis XIV. There were so many King Louis. I know nothing about any of them because I'm, <laughs> I'm like clueless about French history. So her father was an amazing sword fighter, 
Um, also, apparently, a bunch of the articles said he was, like, super a super drunk, like, a super alcoholic. And he was in charge of both the horses, so he was, like, the master horseman. And he also trained the court pages in Versailles. So at first, um, they lived in the writing school in, oh, I don't know how to say these, so many French words, <laughs> Tuileries Palace in Paris. And then eventually they were moved into the Palace of Versailles in 1682. They technically still were like servants of the king, so they, so they, so Ju- so Julie was like brought up in this like the great stables, like is where her dad's quarters were and stuff like that. And none of these, none of the articles ever talked about her mother. Any nothing about her. So I have nothing, <laughs> no information about the other parent. Wow. <laughs> but apparently her dad loved to drink and he loved to smoke and gamble and go out. And he also just believed in like raising his daughter the way that he lived his life. So he like brought her around and he taught her how to sword fight and he was like she needs to know these things and she also like because they were part of the royal court sort of he was able to bring her into all the education classes that the pages were going through that he was helping to train so she like kind of got to go to school and get like a decent education and she learned to sword fight and she loved all the all the rest of that shit and she loved dressing as a boy. She started dressing as a boy. <laughs> yes. Mm. So then, so she's being raised by this dude, this dude of all dudes, <laughs> super bro, whatever we want to call him. Guess, his name is Gaston, which cracks me up because all I can think of is Beauty and the Beast, of right? Definitely. It's the only Gaston, Gaston I know. <laughs> well, now you know too. <laughs> okay, so she is learning to sword fight, being like a total tomboy, whatever. And she's very good. She's like really good at sword fighting. She picks it up like that. She's amazing. And around age 14, she starts to boink her dad's boss. Wow. The Comte d'Armagnac. They start having this, like, hot love affair. And she becomes his mistress. She's 14. She's 14 years old. Okay. That's alarming. That's alarming. But she's a pig, like... But nothing in the articles say that it was, like... They act like it was consensual. There was nothing that made me feel as ill about it except that her age. But also, it's it's France and I mean, isn't French like notoriously in the, in the fucking 1600s, weird. 1600s, it was maybe less questionable, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was very problematic at the time. <laughs> right. Besides, like I think the biggest problem no. was it by, was like that's modern, your dad's boss. By modern standards, <laughs> like we would say a fourteen-year-old is incapable of giving consent, but. Right. But no. based on what I've read about, like, the later in her life, I feel like Julie al- always gave consent. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. She is not, she is not a victim. Um, so, but her dad was a little concerned about, like, mm, not oh, a so great reputation it. to just be a mistress of a... So they arrange to, like, protect her reputation, supposedly. The Count, the guy she's boinking, arranges for her to get married to this guy named Sieur de Maupin. So that becomes her name, the rest, you know, La Maupin later. Um, but her new husband is like immediately sent away to Toulouse in southern France, away from Paris. They say some of the articles said he was sent away like the day after their wedding to like go be a tax collector in southern France. Sent away wow. by the count? Yeah, so he could keep pointing. Yeah, like assigned an administrative position in another part of the country so that Julie could stay and keep pointing him. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Uh, amazing. I'd love to think it was her idea. Probably. I hope Probably. so. <laughs> I mean, you can judge for yourself at the end, I guess, okay. from everything else you're about to hear, but it probably, I, I don't, I do not think 
that anything was not without her wanting it to happen in her life for the most part. But um, anyway, Julie starts to get bored with the bo- count. She's like, oh, this, is, this is some boring shit. And so she runs off to Marseille with her, one of her fencing teachers, Serene. Wow. <laughs> and they start performing uh, in front of the crowds there, like publicly. They do like fencing and singing at the same time. And Julie was like, had a natural ability to sing. Um, and she also was such a great sword fighter, and so apparently was Sarah. So they were, like, just doing these, like, live shows where they were, like, singing and sword fighting. And wow. um, supposedly, <laughs> there's this, like, epic story that appears in every article about her. Supposedly, one time, somebody in the crowd, like, yells out, You're not really a woman! You're just, like, a, a dude that's dressing up sort of like a woman to pretend. And Julie's like, Oh, yeah? And she rips her blouse off, and she shows her titties. He yeah! <laughs> And the audience, the yes. audience, and the like, and the dude is like, uh, so what's up? Uh, so what's up? <laughs> and then she murders him with the sword, right? No, I'm in time wishful thinking. Not this guy. Oh. Not oh. this guy. Oh. Okay, spoilers. Oh, and she told. Oh, and she says to the audience, "Judge for yourself." And she rips her blouse. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I are you not really- entertained? Hell yeah, they are. I got more than paid for. Are you not entertained? Oh jeez. <laughs> so uh, they were performing, and then so here I will say this is one of the moments where this this thing in her life in different articles is placed differently in the timeline, but it seemed more often to appear here in the timeline. So I'll I'll talk about it here. So she falls in love with this beautiful young blonde woman, and her and apparently they were like not really secretive about their love for each other. And the girl's family freaks out because they're like, oh, we can't have a lesbian daughter. We can't have a lesbian daughter. We can't have a lesbian daughter. And so they send their daughter to a convent in Avignon. <gasps> no. That's heartbreaking. And Julie is like, you gotta do better than that. <laughs> so she, so Julie goes to the convent and she takes her vows <gasps> and she enters the convent with her lover. <laughs> so they're like fucking, they're nuns fucking. Yes. They're that nuns. Is but they're also like, this is not, we can't be here like forever. And so they start plotting like, how do we get the fuck out of here? How do we get, get wow, out of here? This is great. And so, so one night, pretty soon after, or, or, I guess like one of the elderly nuns dies of natural, of natural causes, supposedly. No uh-huh. article said that okay. Julie killed. So an elderly nun dies. And so Julie and her lover, I'm not sure how much was Julie versus how much. I feel like most of it probably was Julie. <laughs> but they, like, take the body. They either dig it up or they take it out of wherever it was. Articles were kind of mixed on it. And they put it in the lover's room and they light the room on fire. And they run and they escape and they run away. <laughs> okay. And they live together, like, hidden for, like, three months. <gasps> like, nobody, like, they, they, they get away with it for, like, Three months. Do people think they're dead. And I, I, I think that like the reason they put the b- body there was so that they would think it was the the girls, and they would think that she died, and they wouldn't look for her or whatever. Mm. But eventually, they do find they do find the couple, and Ju- and Ju- they take the the love the her family the family of the the lover are like they like take her back. They're like they like bring her back home. Um, and Julie is sentenced to death in absentia by the parliament in Pro- in Provence. <laughs> Um, for, for what? Being gay? For what? what the heck? It is a little 
unclear. <laughs> and the I judges, and, and like apparently also they like sentenced her to death under the name Sieur de Maupin because they didn't like want everyone to know that a woman had done these crimes. They were like, a woman can't do things like this. A woman couldn't plot and ta- steal a body and burn a convent down. <laughs> so, so like, obviously people were having trouble, like, understanding that Julie was such a, like, <laughs> that she just behaved so brashly and so unwomanly. It was, like, difficult for people to, to like, wrap their heads around. Wow. Um, so, so she sent us to death, and she's tried as a man, and it also possibly was to spare the family shame that of the the other woman because that because les because being a lesbian was like not okay real quite fully yet. Eventually it is. Eventually France embraces it, but not in this time period. So she goes. So but Julie, she sent us to death. But she like I don't understand how she isn't put to death right away. But she is like tromping around the countryside like on the run. Right? She's like on the lam. Um, I don't know that she was ever in necessarily in prison, but she was still somehow tried. I'm assuming they just had a trial without her. And they were like, she's going to die as soon as we find her. Um, <laughs> Makes sense to me. But, sounds, but the sources right. weren't clear. Sources were not clear about it. So I'll just say that, listeners. So um, so she is tromping around the countryside and she's like full on wearing dudes clothes now. She's like, fuck it. I'm just going to be just fucking be a dude now. Like, it's easier this way. Pe- people obviously can't accept that a woman is so good at sword fighting. And one day in the countryside, she literally bumps into this young nobleman called Comte d'Albert. It looks like um, D'Albert, but I'm pretty sure it's Comte d'Albert. Albert. <laughs> and he challenges her to a duel because he doesn't realize that she's a chick. He's like, you bump into me, you're going to fucking fight me. Wow. That makes sense. And she beats his ass at that sword play and she wounds him like, really bad. But then she's like, but here, come here. Let me help you. Like, let's nurse you back to health. You seem like a good dude. And they become lovers for at least a short time. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, at, at least for a short time. And in some of the articles, he's called like the great romance of her life. But they don't, their romance doesn't last very long, but they end up parting ways, like they're still friends. They don't like end things badly. They're still like really great friends. They just aren't lovers anymore. Um, and again, like all these details are like not, so, so much of this is like kind of legend. It's hard to tell the exacts, but... All the, all the sources said that Delbert turned out to be like, they, they were friends the rest of their lives. Which I love. Yeah. I love when best friends find each other. That's how it should be. Um, so she starts taking singing lessons from a retired teacher named Marachal, I think. Marachal? I don't know. French. Um, and she pairs up with a new lover um, named Gabriel Vincent Tevenard. They start to tour around uh, singing, and then they... They end up back in Paris. But at this point, she still has a warrant on her head, right? So she, because of the shit that she did yeah. in Provence. How long has it been? Do you know how long it's been? So this is about like- 1690, and she's about 17 years old when she gets back to France. Whoa. Wait, um, what? When she gets back? When she gets back to Paris, I mean. So at 14, she starts boinking the boss. And then she goes and tours around the country, fucks the nun, does all that shit. So she's still, she's like only 17. Holy shit. Right now when it's I assumed like, this was like, she's 30, 30 at this years, time. years, right. <laughs> she's wow. 17 now? 
Whoa. She's literally 17. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked for clarification. Wow. Holy shit. Just, there's definitely a different vibe about a teenage girl going around doing all this Just shit. living a life. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm going to yeah. burn down a convent. Burn down the convent. And then they're going to send it to her. To de- I'm sorry. And they're going to try her as a man? Unacceptable. When she's a 16-year-old girl? But then the- they already, they already, they couldn't handle it. They can't handle cross-dressing. They can't handle lesbians. Clearly not. She wasn't really, actually, she was, she was bisexual because she loved both. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And so at this wow. point, though, she still has a death warrant out on her head. So she's like, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, wait. My old lover. <laughs> the con, the con, the con. <laughs> the 14-year-old fuck. Right. Yeah, that guy. The not pedophile. <laughs> she's like, oh, he has sway in King Louis' court. I'm going to go over to him. So she goes over to him and she's like, listen, man, you got to get this fucking death warrant off my head. You got some sway. Can you please talk to Louis the Fourteenth and can you figure this out for me? So while she's going back to the count to get all this shit requested, um, her lover, T- Tevenard, auditions for the Paris Opera. And he apparently was hired immediately. But his one condition upon getting hired was that they also allow Julie to audition. So the opera's like, fine, whatever. And so at 17, she auditions and she is hired for the Paris Opera. And she becomes an opera superstar. Holy shit. Whoa. All right. Um, she's, she's also pardoned. The, the thing works with the comp and Louis is like, that's kind of funny. Okay, I'm going to... All right. Okay, you're pardoned. Um, so she appears on stage in like all these major productions. This is 1690 to 1694. And she's adored by the audiences. Um, she, she's called... She's widely called La Maupin. She's like the legend. And there's... Um, okay, so here's like what we have here now is like a series of legendary stories about her (laughs) um i will say the story about the nun in some of the articles i found they put the the that blonde hair lover (laughs) they say some of the stories say that they fell in love while julie was at the opera like while she was performing but most of the articles that i felt like were more legit put it before this time Mm -hmm. when she was touring around france so i put it in the place that I thought it was best, but you will see conflicting shit about it. So there's this um, great story. At some point, this like pretty boy actor is talking shit to one of Julie's actress friends. And so Julie's like, dude, you gotta shut up and show this woman some respect. You cannot talk that way. And he's like, just fuck off. I don't give a shit. Mind your own business, bitch. Wow. And so later that night, he's walking home. And La Maupin standing in the street with her sword out. <laughs> it's way better than, you know, standing out. And she challenge she challenges him to a duel. He's like, You she you better fucking fight me in this a duel, you fucking asshole. How dare you? And the guy's like, Oh, I don't wanna pull my sword out. I don't wanna duel. I don't wanna duel. And so she beats him up with a wooden cane. <laughs> And she steals his pocket watch and some of the other shit. And she, like, leaves him, like, bleeding in the alley. And so the next day, this guy comes back to work at the opera. And he's got, like, black eyes. And he's all beat up. And people are like, oh, my gosh, what happened to you? And he's like, I don't know. Some guys jumped me. (laughs) (laughs) And La Maupin, like, pulls out the pocket watch. And she's like, I beat him up. Here's his pocket watch as evidence. (laughs) Yeah, and then, and then she's like, you know what you gotta do now? You gotta kneel down and you gotta beg forgiveness in front of all these fucking people. 
Holy and he has to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh Ooh, my god! Yes. It might be like one of my favorite stories of things that Broad has ever done. That's awesome. Is this pocket watch you story? Ain't gonna talk about me, Holy sir. You ain't gonna talk shit. about me. Mm-mm. Okay, here's another story. One time. Uh, apparently, a trio of drunk idiots were giving her shit while she was singing her songs in a tavern. So Julie takes, she's like, let's go to the alley. Let's go to the courtyard right now. And they all like try to fight her with their swords, but she draws her blade. And three on one, she takes all three of them down. They all have multiple stab wounds. And she goes back into the tavern and keeps drinking. <laughs> but then... The next day, she was like, I kind of feel bad about that one guy. I, I don't There wasn't more details about, like, why. But I'm assuming he was the hot one. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, like, goes back to his... She, like, finds out what room he's in at the tavern. And she goes back, and she's like, hey, let me look at those wounds. I feel kind of bad. And she seduces him, and they fuck for, like, three weeks straight. <laughs> wow. I like that one. <laughs> that is the best story I've ever heard. We're not done with her, but can you even, like, no. already she's inspiration she's most known she's mostly known like when you google her for the nun story the like con- that she like took her vows to go fuck an- a woman who is in the anyway it's but pretty, i think all these one. other stories are like just as interesting so <laughs> i'm going through them um so as a singer though as in in the opera she sang both soprano but she also sang contralto she was kind of like the one of the first stars to sing in that like really low contralto range and it kind of like blew the minds of everybody. Supposedly, she defended all the chorus girls against all the like rowdy dudes who were trying to get busy with them. She also apparently at some point she got really obsessed with one of the other stars of the opera. There was this soprano named Fanchon Moreau. She also apparently tried to kill herself. She also threatened to blow the Duchess of Luxembourg's brains out. And she also had to go to court for attacking her landlord. <laughs> <laughs> And one night on stage, one night on stage, because her, because Tevinard, even though they're not lovers uh, still, apparently, but they're still like best friends. um, At one point, they have like a horrible fight. And on stage that night, she bites his ear so hard he bleeds. Damn. She's intense. But they're still best friends. They make up, but they're still best friends. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and there was one of the one of the articles said that at some point, like she had slept with or sword fought most of the men and women at the opera <laughs> during her opera career. Like most everybody had either fucked or fought her. <laughs> some of them both. That is a legacy. So here's her other like big famous story. So apparently, the brother of Louis the Fourteenth. Uh, Prince Felipe, she is invited as a guest to the royal ball at the palace of King Louis the Fourteenth, and she shows up dressed to the nines as a man in like a scarlet tunic. She's like this red, bright red tunic, and she starts dancing with all the women, <laughs> and all the and she's like also like schooling everyone, every other hot dude that's at that party. She's like so much better than all of them, and all of it. And there's this one specifically super hot young woman and she starts like dancing really intense and then she fucking French kisses this woman in the middle of the dance floor in front of the entire royal family. (laughs) And these three, these three noblemen 
are like, fuck no. They're like, you got to stop that shit. You got to start acting like a lady and you got to stop making out with chicks. <laughs> and, and Julie's like, should we take it outside? <laughs> and so they go outside and she defeats all three men in consecutive duels. Uh. And then she comes back to the party while they're still like bleeding in the street. She like goes back into the party. That's her signature move right there. Mm-hmm. However, however, as you may or may not know, dueling at this point in time is illegal. It's it's outlawed. It's seen as a direct challenge to the royal authority. Disputes were supposed to be settled by law and not by duels at this point. Mm. She And she does this shit in front of everybody. Like everybody at this huge ball in the king's palace. So... They're, so she's like, ooh, I gotta get out of town. Because <laughs> that wasn't good. Because now I'm in trouble again. Mm. And she gets another death. I think she is sentenced to death again, is what I believe. So the articles, like, stop talking about her death sentences. But she's sentenced to death again. <laughs> wow. um, and she goes over to Brussels. And she starts fucking a German prince there. The <laughs> of Elector of Bavaria. A German prince who oversaw the Netherlands. Is she, like, well-known there? Was she, like, popular internationally? I don't think so. I don't think that she really, to this point, had really left France. At least at least in all the research articles that I found. It's possible, like, her reputation preceded her. Because she was, like, the Paris star. So if people were traveling to France, they might have gone back and, like, talked about her a bunch, I guess. But I don't think she herself had actually been... Don't uh, quote me on it if you find articles that say otherwise, though, because all I'm saying is I didn't read otherwise. Right. Seems strange to go to Germany and just immediately start fucking a prince. I mean, it also sounds like she was a very specific type of person. That's true. Yeah. Walked around like a peacock. You go see me. I got my pickings and I'm going to choose a prince. I'm going to go to fucking court. I'm going to go to, I'm going to do this shit. But Julie was like a little too intense for him. And at one point, she's, like, performing, and she stabs herself with a real dagger. And the prince is like, I, this is too much for me. Here's 40,000 francs. Can you please leave me alone? <laughs> and she, and she wow. takes the coin purse, and she throws it at his balls and runs away. She does not take the money. She's very upset. Um, one of the, a few of the accounts said that she throws the coins at the feet of his emissary, that he wasn't the one who gave her the coins, but I like to think she threw him in his balls because that feels very la maupin to me. <laughs> I wish she yeah. threw it at his balls and then picked it up and left with it. That would be my <laughs> she don't need that. Like, she, she don't need that bitch's money. So she leaves Brussels and she stomps off to Madrid and she's fucking pissy about it. But she gets a job working for this Countess Marino. And she's like the Countess's lady in waiting, I guess, or page, the equivalent of page, but for a woman. So she like helps her do her hair and get dressed and put her corsets on and all that shit, right? But apparently, she fucking hates this Countess. So one night, she's like doing the Countess's hair and she like puts radishes in the hairdo in places that the Countess can't see. Because the Countess can only see like the front mirror. So she like hides a bunch of radishes in the back. Like like the vegetable. Like vegetables. She puts the vegetables in her boss's hair and sends her off to this ball with radishes in her hair. <laughs> and um Wow. And apparently at that point she like already had her bags packed and she like while the contest is at the ball, she just leaves. She's like, fucking no. So she puts the radishes in her hair and then she runs away again. <laughs> it's a great move. 
So she goes back to Paris, and um, I don't, again, the sources didn't say the details of this, but apparently she's pardoned again. So Louis pardons her again, because remember, after the ball, she was in trouble again. So she is notoriously, not only did she enter a, a, a nunnery to fuck a nun and then burn the convent down, she also has been pardoned by Louis Fourteenth twice. <laughs> Two death pardons. So she goes back to, to Paris, though. She starts performing again. She gets her job back. And then in 1703, she falls in love with Madame Le Marquise de Florenzin. I didn't say that right. Florence, Flor- it looks like Florensac, but I'm sure it's not pronounced that way in French. Is that like Florensac? <laughs> Someone write in and tell me how to do it. Um, but apparently, this Marquise was the, quote, most beautiful woman in France. And she oh. was so beautiful that at some point she had to f- to like flee France and went to Brussels for a couple years because the young prince, the Dauphin, was obsessed with her. <laughs> she had to leave. So she was one of the most famous, wealthy, and well-connected women in France and the most beautiful woman in France. And Julie falls madly in love with her and she falls madly in love with Julie. And they live, according to most of the sources, like for two years, they're like lovebirds, live in the best life, and it's all like golden. That seems like the longest Julie's ever been with anybody based on the rest of the sources. So like, it seemed like all was perfect. And then, I'm sad to say, the Marquise dies of a fever, Mm. apparently. And Julie, there's two versions of Julie's ending that uh, across the sources. The first one, which is more romantical, <laughs> is that she was so distraught when the Marquise died that she entered a, a convent in 1705 and she kind of just like withered and died. And she was only 33. Some, some of the accounts say she was 37. <laughs> so 33 or 37, still under 40. One of her biographers, who obviously is one of the worst people that ever lived said that she was, quote, destroyed by a, an inclination to do evil in the sight of her God and a fixed intention not to. And then her body was, quote, cast upon the rubbish heap. Wow, what a horrific what? thing to say about somebody. Anyway. <laughs> mm, I, I feel like that's not the story I just heard. No, right. it's not. I feel like, obviously, that bag for an asshole. Now, there's, if it's to do evil. There's other versions. She's just sticking up for herself. <laughs> there's other sources that say that, as opposed to going to the convent and just dying and being sad, uh, that she goes back to her husband, who she's been married this whole time. She's been fucking married to that dude, that tax wow. collector guy, this <laughs> whole time. That's amazing. And so some accounts say that she went back to live with him, and she was singing for the opera, and then died in 1707 from unknown causes at the age of 37. So I don't, I don't know. Question mark on a bunch of these timeline things. Sources are mixed, and she's just so legendary that I think that all the stories just kind of like proliferated and blew up and so it's hard to tell kind of what's what's the what but that is what i got that's what i got you guys that's julie daubany la Moupin. dang julie <laughs> dang wow what a broad that's so inspirational i love it yeah radish she's radical um i saw like a little footnote historically speaking because i'm a nerd and think about such things but there was um 
an interesting, one of the articles was talking about why Louis XIV pardoned her twice. <laughs> why did he pardon her twice? She obviously like was dueling all the time, which was illegal. And this article was talking about how, so I'll just read the quote actually from the article. So 17th century France was a unique time and place in history. And one of the few places that allowed openly bisexual gender nonconforming people like Julie Daubigny to exist. Louis XIV was her patron, partly in his ongoing efforts to undermine the political power of the church through the arts, opera being one of the battlegrounds in the War of Artist Patronage. He also couldn't take too strong a stance against being gay, since his brother, the Duke of Orléans, was openly gay, effeminate, and a crossdresser. So Julie was less a product of her time and more a woman who knew how to use the time she was born into to be the person she truly was, end quote. So I thought that was an interesting... That was super interesting that, like, Louis was trying to, like, screw over the church a little bit by supporting kind of th- these more, like, open liberal ideas and and that his brother was gay and... Yeah. Definitely. I agree. I, I didn't know that it was like that, you know? The, kind of the way it makes it... They always make it seem like the, the gay agenda, they're trying to pop out. Like, it just started happening yesterday when it's actually been happening for thousands and thousands the and thousands of years. entirety of human history. Correct. Since we've been existing. Because, like, animals do it too, but whatever. Yeah. Guys, which of her crazy stories is your favorite? I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of burning down convents, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those things I do in my spare time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really interested in convent burning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, so Jupiter? That's a, that's a big one for me. I mean, yeah, that's pretty... <laughs> That's pretty great. Although I know, I think I really like the ball because you're just like, I'm going to come in as me and I'm going to leave as me. Even if I got to flee the country, I'm a half. I'm a, I'm a French a kiss a bitch on the middle of the floor in front of the royal family. Hell yes. Hell going, yes. What you going to do? Not a damn thing. What you going to do? You going to make. I love all the stories where she like beats the shit. I mean, that pocket watch story when she fucking humiliates that Yo. guy. And then when she like, oh my God. The, the dudes, the drunk dudes that she's just schools. Mm-hmm. I just love yes. when the patriarchy gets destroyed. I just love it. Yeah, 100%. I think so that's tell everyone about her. I love being able to convince a man after you stabbed him a few times to sleep with you. Hell yeah. That's uh, pretty cool, too. This is a multidimensional type of relationship, baby. Yeah. Come I on. I love it. I was, and and don't, fuck with, don't screw me over, because I will kill you. I will kill you. You know this. Literally. Yeah. She was such Power. a good sword fighter that she was so much better than literally everyone she ever dueled. But she, like, let them live. She, like, didn't kill them. She just hurt them bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Well, there there she is. There's there's the broad you should know. Thank you guys for listening every week. We love you. If you like the podcast, don't forget to send us a review. Send us a review. Write it. Write it in your platform of, of choice. Give us a great review. And five stars. We have a couple, like, one stars in there I noticed the other day because I think that we had Mulan haters. Cover for them. Give us a five star. Um, check out the website, broadsyoushouldknow.com. Email broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Suggest abroad on the website. We want to hear who you want to hear about. And that's all we got. We'll see you next week for another Broad You Should Know.